Back to my script. Good evening. Today is Tuesday, December 21st, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter and step is Bill's story, step one. And our speaker tonight is Lisa B. Thank you. Hi, everybody. I'm so glad to be here. My name is Lisa, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I'm here in South Carolina. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sherry, for inviting me. Um, so, uh, you know, I've really been praying, and I have a lot of peace. So uh, I think it's going to go fine. <laughs> I just want to be useful and share a message of hope. Um, because that's what I, I was very, I was really hopeless when I came in here. So I was looking at the chapter last night and, you know, I was taught it's divided into two parts. The first eight pages are really about the progression and, um, how it was fun for him. It was fun for Bill to experience the alcohol and what it did for him. And then when we get to page eight, that's when things change. So really my favorite part of his story are from page eight to the end of the chapter. But I, um, I just want to share with you all so you know a little bit about uh, my background. Um, I'm 58. I have been recovered. It'll be six years in January, God willing, this coming January, six years that I've been abstinent. And then March of the new year, God willing, it'll be six years that I've been recovered. It took me about 12 weeks to go through the steps with a recovered sponsor. Um, but, you know, I never thought in a million years, I, I never thought I could get recovered because how do you get recovered from compulsive overeating? You have to eat, you know, every day. And uh, I was really hopeless and in so much despair and uh, someone told me about an OA meeting that was a phone meeting. And so I started listening to this phone meeting in October of 2015. And when they told me about that meeting, I got a chill down my spine. And I've just learned over the years that that's the way I call my higher power God. That's the way God communicates with me. I either get a chill on my thighs or I get a chill down my spine. And it's just God way of, God's way of saying to me, pay attention. This is really important. Um, I'm uh, also an AA, and I was standing in an AA meeting when she told me that. And when she said that to me, like I had this image flash before my mind of um, being in the ocean and having like this cement block, you know, tied around my neck and just sinking down to the ocean floor. Like that's where I was going to go. And so where was I in October of, of uh, 2015? Well, I was recovering from heart surgery. January of 2015, I had to get open heart surgery from a um, like a birth thing in my heart that I didn't know about that was just getting progressively worse. So I had to get surgery. And, um, you know, but before that, I had gone to an AA meeting many, many years ago. Um, I went to the AA meeting in the hopes of getting help with the food. I was binge eating. I was just out of college in my first apartment working for my father and I was binge eating and just, it was really scaring me and I didn't know where to go, what to do. I had tried an OA meeting and I hated the OA meeting. Um, so my brother was going to AA. So I went to AA with him to support him and I fell in love with AA and I realized I belonged there as a very, very high bottom alcoholic. And I secretly hoped and prayed it would help me with the food. 
and it never did. But I, I loved everything about AA. So I, I kept coming and staying in AA. And I went to a treatment center in 1987 for binge or compulsive eating. And I loved the treatment center. I was really blessed to be able to go to this particular treatment center. It was a 12-step treatment center. Um, I learned about prayer and meditation, the 12 steps, step one, a food plan. I was blessed in that the food plan eliminated pretty much all of my alcoholic ingredients. But the biggest thing I was missing, which is the key, I didn't get that if I don't, if I don't receive the remedy of those 12 steps to treat my mind and have that personality change and that spiritual awakening, my mind is going to take me right back to the food. And that's exactly what happened to me over and over and over again. I experienced for a short period of time, a white knuckle abstinence. Well, I want to say five years, but you know what? And looking back, I don't even really think I was truly abstinent. Um, and it was a white knuckle abstinence. And then I met my husband and I thought, oh, you know what? All my problems are solved. <laughs> now I have this man that loves me. Maybe I made too much of this food thing. And sure enough, you know, I, I walked right back into the mall to Mrs. Fields cookies and I was off and running again, you know, and then for 15 to 18 years, I was truly an untreated compulsive overeater, white knuckling myself through life, going from food plan to diet, to diet, to diet, obsessed with um, not letting my body show the weight and I would compulsively exercise. I would do juice fasts and uh, restrict, you know, I, and I had periods of restricting in college where I was almost anorexic looking. So it was just this constant thought always, how do I look? When am I going to get to eat again? How am I going to not eat? And it just left me absent to my life, not present to my husband, um, not present in any way, you know, and just exhausted and depleted and frustrated and angry. And I thought this is just as good as it's going to get. And then when I got into my 50s, um, my mother had died, my father had died, and my favorite brother had died. And um, I was unhappy in my marriage, convinced that if my husband were different, or if I had a different husband or a different house or a different job or a different childhood, you know, I had no idea all those things that I was feeling was the untreated compulsive overeating. And, um, you know, sitting in 12 step rooms in AA, as wonderful as that is, it just, it didn't get inside me. It didn't get inside me. I didn't have that change. So that's, that's where I was in October of 2015 and then recovering from heart surgery. And, you know, when my friend Mindy said to me, I think you would like these meetings. I, I had this image of myself sinking down to the bottom of the ocean that, that my binges were going to be worse than anything that I had experienced prior to treatment. It's really weird because when I went to the treatment center, something happened and the binges, even when I went back into the food, they weren't as bad as they were right before the treatment center. And I just, I don't know. That's just whatever God's grace, something who knows what it was, but um, I could tell, I could feel it breathing down my neck that it was ready to pounce and it was going to be worse than anything that I had experienced. So, um, and you know what else too, the arrogance for me to believe that I wouldn't even pick up a drink because I was thinking, oh, I would never pick up alcohol. And it's so cocky and arrogant of me, but I've just seen that it's all merged into one, you know, the food, 
and the alcohol. So anyways, the thing that jumped out for me in Bill's story yesterday was on page four. Um, he talks about being on this golf course and I acquired the impeccable coat of a tan one sees upon the well-to-do. You know, it was fun to caram around the exclusive course, which had inspired such awe in me as a lad. So, you know, and then a page or two before that, he talked about um, the things that he worshipped out of this alloy of drink and speculation, the stock speculation. So for me, I'll tell you what my alloy was, my image, what you thought of me, men and women. It's like I had to look desirable I had to look attractive. I had to be, I had to be attractive. And I felt so empty inside and so frightened constantly, scared to death, always, you know? So the food and the controlling of the food and my image. And it's like, I, I wanted to be like the, you know, the models on the magazine. I wanted to look perfect. And I exhausted myself. I made myself sick. You know, I really did trying to be that. Um, so I could really identify how he talked about on the, that on the golf course, you know, that image, he's the actor and he's got this facade and that was me. So then when we go over to, um, let's see here. All right. Page eight. I love his step one description. You know, it says no words can tell of the loneliness and despair I found in that bitter morass of self-pity, quick stand stretched around me in all directions. I had met my match. I had been overwhelmed. Alcohol was my master. Food was my master. I've always known food was my master. Um, for a long time, it was recreation. It was fun. I remember once my husband saying to me, and often it would go with compulsive shopping, you know, so the compulsive shopping and the overeating. And I remember once my husband saying to me, why do you have to eat like that? And I said to him, it's the only thing that makes me happy. And I think about how sad that must have been for him, you know, but it really was the only thing that made me happy. But then it started to change when I, as I started to say, when I turned 50, I started having really bad physical allergic reactions to the foods I would be able to eat. I started having panic attacks at night. I would get really bad migraines from the chocolate and the sugar. I never had migraines before. Um, and the irritability, oh my gosh, the irritability, um, the annoyance, just the constant. And it just, it wasn't satisfying me anymore. So I started praying a lot. I've always been a big person in prayer. I think that's how I got into AA. I was praying for God to help me. And I just wasn't happy with that OA meeting. And then I got the invitation to go to AA. And I really felt that was truly an answer to prayer. And I started praying a lot. And I felt led to, to surrender sugar. And with God's help, I did. I put down processed sugar, like all the cookies and the candy. And that was really hard. And I did that for about a year before I um, came to that OA meeting. And that helped a lot, but I would overeat constantly like on carbs, like rice and potato and fat and salt and all these carby things. And 
Um, so the volume was still there. And then the constant obsession, well, now I need to restrict or now I need to cut back and now I need to exercise. Then my body started breaking down. I had a, well, my heart wasn't working right. It took us a long time to figure out what, what was wrong, but I couldn't exercise anymore because of a long story. And that was like going through detox because I, I was really addicted to the exercise like two hours a day, you know, on the elliptical and walking and all, you know, just constant weights, working with weights. And I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it anymore. And then the heart doctor said, you can't exercise at all until you get into this surgery. And we had to wait a year for me to get this certain type of insurance. So I could go into this bigger city with a more experienced doctor to do my heart surgery. And that was really hard. That brought up so much stuff. And, um, Anyways, so I sidetracked. <laughs> Let me get back. So I could really identify with that self-pity, that loneliness and despair, the bitterness and the morass of it, you know. Um, then he talks about how dark it is before the dawn, and he's gonna have his friend Ebby, Ebby Sober. That's what happened to me when I heard the, the woman that was to become my sponsor, her voice over the phone to me. I had introduced myself as a newcomer and I received tons of calls, but one of the people stood out to me and she was so kind and she just talked about herself and her recovery. And it was comforting for me. It was like, it took pressure. All I have to do is just relax and just listen to her. She didn't want anything from me. And I loved that. She didn't want anything from me. She, I saw that it was helping her and she told me it would help me if I could talk to you about her, me, you know, meaning herself. And I, I was just relieved that I didn't have to talk. I could just listen to her and she's a talker. And she told me how she couldn't get up off the couch. She was newly married. She was a professional woman. She was a nurse. She was intelligent. She couldn't get off the couch and she couldn't stop binge eating. And she was scared, you know, and she thought she's going to have to go to a psychiatrist and get medication and leave her husband or her, he's going to leave her. But yet she's recovered and she wasn't like that anymore. So I was intrigued and I couldn't believe that the big book and the 12 steps, you know, by her taking these action steps had brought about this result. I had never met a recovered compulsive reader. And, you know, really to be truly honest, I didn't really even hear that kind of recovery in the AA rooms. Like I heard a freedom and a happiness. I wanted freedom. I wanted it more than anything. I've heard so many good sayings, you know, over the years. I heard one is, if I'm more afraid of putting the food down than picking it up, you know, I'm not ready to do this. I was more afraid of picking the food up. I was ready. I really was. Like, I would have done anything that she told me to do. Um, I just wanted freedom. I didn't want a little bit of relief here and there. I've had momentary glimpses of relief, you know, learning meditation, learning this, learning that, doing that, reading this, going here, going there, trying that, you know, I mean, it just, I really wanted to be free. And I learned in the big book, I can have permanent recovery, you know? So then uh, on page nine, he talks about Ebby, the door opened and he stood there fresh skinned and glowing. That's because Ebby was reborn. You know, he was reborn. That's what I have to have. My, like, I am the problem. My personality is the problem. I needed a spiritual awakening. I needed to be rewired, redone, you know? And it says, what had happened? And that's what I learned going through this process with my sponsor as the guide, you know? And then he talks about, he, oh, I love this. He had come to pass his experience along to me 
if I cared to have it. So it's not even like Ebby is begging. Like he he knows he's got this gem, this pearl. And Bill doesn't Oh, am I almost time? That was 15. Okay, thank you. If if um Bill doesn't want it, it's like fine, you know? And that's how my sponsor was with me. She just, if I cared to have it. And then I love on page 11, it says, to Christ, I conceded the certainty of a great man. So I'm going to reread this paragraph. To OA, I conceded the certainty of a great program, not too closely followed by those who claimed it. It's moral teaching. It's 12 steps most excellent. For myself, I had adopted those parts, which seemed convenient and not too difficult. The rest I disregarded. So that's talking about half measures, you know. I can't do this half measure. I can't. I don't want to. Like, I want everything that this program has to offer me. And then the step one promise. Then he had, in effect, been raised from the dead, suddenly taken from the scrap heap to a level of life better than the best he had ever known. I mean, that's amazing. Today, I am happily married with the same man that I was those years ago. He hasn't changed. I mean, he's maybe changed a little bit. I'm the one that's changed. I have the same childhood that I had, you know, when I was growing up, same everything, but I have been raised to a level of life better than the best. And I'll tell you what's really been the difference for me this past 18 months is the spiritual work that I've needed to do deeper inventory, deeper prayers, meditation, more of a spiritual awakening. That is truly the answer. That's what turns the light on inside of me, that relationship with God. Um, so he talks about step two, then just being willing. It was only a matter of being willing to believe in a power greater than myself. Nothing more was required. I had a lot of prejudice and old ideas about God when I started this work, although I wouldn't have thought I did, but in looking back, I really, really did. I used to say I'm spiritual, not religious. Like I'm better than the religious people today. I'm religious and I'm spiritual, you know, um, I was to test my thinking by the new God consciousness within common sense would thus become uncommon sense. You know, there is nothing common sense about this program of recovery. It's a program of miracles. Oh, there's so much I could say about it. (laughs) Um, I know that the time is ticking. So, okay, let's see here. My friend had emphasized the absolute necessity of demonstrating these principles in all my affairs particularly was it imperative to work with others. He had worked with me. So, you know, selfishness, self-seeking, self-absorption is still like so natural for me. And the way that I get free of that is through these 12 steps and by working with others in in a way that is a little bit beyond my comfort zone. Um, Ego is the distraction, you know, inside of me. Let's see here. Oh, it says uh, he talks about waves of self-pity and resentment. And I'll just say when I was newly recovered, I called a mentor of mine in the program. And I said, you know what? I'm really frustrated and I'm angry. And I thought she was going to ask me about like my husband, my work. Instead, she said to me, how many people are you sponsoring? And I was sponsoring one at that time. She's like, you need to be sponsoring more people. You need to be working with others in the trenches. You know what? And because I've always followed whenever someone that I really admire in this program, they say what they've been doing, I want to do it. So I did everything she told me to do, work intensely with others. And that angst, it went away. I completed my amends, you know, um, 
all of it. It just all works. So let's see here. Mm. An alcoholic in his cups is an unlovely creature. Our struggles with them are variously strenuous, comic, and tragic. One poor chap committed suicide in my home. He could not or would not see our way of life. I can get into those cups, you know, in a, in a flash. And it's, uh, it's really painful to get into that place. And thank God it doesn't last. I mean, maybe a half a day, but that's rare. That's rare. Uh, it, it's just too much of a hangover for me. And I've got to get right into action and calling others and being useful, um, calling newcomers, doing things anonymously without looking for like acknowledgement. Um, yeah, it, because it, it's waiting, you know, that stuff is waiting for me. The progression of the disease is there. And that's why I have my food plan with my boundaries and parameters. And I don't minimize, I don't minimize anything that's because kind. my mind minimizes. So anyways, I'm so glad to be here. And uh, thank you so much for asking me, Sherry. And I'm really happy to hear all of you. Thanks. I pass. Thank you so much, Lisa. We will now open the meeting for questions or for three-minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand which is under reactions, or nine if you're on the phone, and the Zoom host will call the raised hands in order and ask you to unmute when it's your turn. Would the timekeeper please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when time is up? Thank you so much, Lita, and thank you so much, Lisa, for your service tonight. We will begin with Sherry M. Go ahead, Sherry. Hi there. That was so amazing. Thank you so much. I was hanging on every word, but I would like to give my three minutes to you because I was really hooked when you were talking about it's not a program of common sense. It's a program of miracles, and I felt like there was more that maybe was going to come to the surface. So I'd just like to give the three minutes back to you. Maybe you could share some of these miracles. I'd really love to hear them tonight. Oh, sure. That's so cool. Like a little, yeah, moving things around. That's great. Thank you. Yes. You know, I had to stop thinking with my brain, stop thinking with my head, um, stop trying to figure it all out. And, you know, it is really about um, the fourth dimension, you know, being rocketed, being rocketed. I've got to have that light turned on inside of me. And the way that happens is uh, I won't draw a little diagram. <laughs> Someone drew a diagram for me, but I won't. So there's a column here, right? I'm in this column, Lisa. And then there's another column and it's just crap and stuff, right? And then there's a column three and that's God. I've got to get all that stuff out of column two, which is all the crap so that column three and column one can become one. I need to be in unity with God so that all through the day, it's like a constant prayer where I'm just breathing in, breathing. In, and I've got, I'm, I'm linked with God. I'm unblocked, you know? And that's why minimizing minimizing is the deadliest thing for me. I used to minimize all the time with food. Oh, it's not that big of a deal. Like, well, you know, I can have it here, but I can't have it there. Sometimes I do, you know, 
it's healthy or it's a salad dressing or it's this or it's that minimizing. And I can do that in all areas of my life about a resentment, about a fear, about a dishonesty, about an envy or a jealousy. Um, so you see, that's, it's all, it's all that stuff. So I hope, I hope that helps. Thanks. <laughs> thank you so much, Sherry, for the question. And thank you, Lisa, for expanding on that. I actually would would kind of like to do the same thing because I loved what you said about it's not a common sense, it's a program of miracles. And I was having an outreach call today on the subject of trust and surrender and common sense. It just sort of made me think of that. So I was wondering if you had any thoughts on like the relation, you know, trust, trust and surrender that I, I just would love to hear you talk about that. Thank you so much for bringing that up. You know, this really is a program about yielding, submitting, and surrendering. And as a compulsive overeater, it says in our AA 12 and 12 that defiance is our chief characteristic. We pretty much all have that in common. And um, I this is going to sound really weird, but I was very blessed with my sponsor in OA because she wasn't abusive in any way. She was firm and clear, and she kept the focus on what she did, what she did. But I really learned that I really had to kind of submit in a way to my sponsor. And I hesitate to say that because I know sometimes there are abusive situations with sponsors, So, but I didn't have that experience. But I really learned that I had to almost submit and yield to what my sponsor suggested that I do and what she said she did, because I am unblocked. I'm blocked. When I started working with my sponsor, I'm blocked. I was in dire situation. I didn't know I was in dire. It says that in uh, working with others, many are doomed who do not realize their predicament. It's like that slow boil of the hot water. I don't know I'm boiling to death. And that's where I was. And I have found that like when I just like the more clarity I get the doctor's opinion, that's going to determine how strong my program is because that's the foundation. It's the same thing in submitting to what my sponsor suggested or said she did when I submit. And she did that with me up until I was able to get that connection with my own higher power. And then she kind of stepped back and then I had that connection and I need to submit to my higher power. Like I used to think with God that like, I know there's God, God's all knowing, but like, I want to sit up there right next to God and like run the show with God, <laughs> you know, like that's what I wanted to do. And I realized that there's a proper order. And I know Bill talks about that. There's a proper order. And it took me a long time. It, to be honest, it's really just been recent in the last maybe year, year and a half that I've really be, been getting more and more about that. There is one power who has all power. And I used to think that like, I'm neck and neck with that power. And I'm not like, I really have to kind of submit to that power. That's just been my experience. But I, it is a program of yielding and surrender at depth. So thanks. Thank you so much for that, Lisa. Who else would like to share or ask a question tonight? All right, we're going to stop the recording.